Did he give me a Hello and welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Winnell. Welcome to our returning visitors and viewers and for, for those of you who are new, welcome. We're glad to have you with us today. Before we get started with today's topic, I'd like to just make a couple of quick comments about the shooting that took place last night in Thousand Oaks, California at the Country Western Bar there. Apparently there were about 12 individuals killed, including one police officer and a uh, rogue lone gunman that went in. At, at least at my last check with the news, who had a smoke bomb and a handgun and uh, did some devastation. They don't know yet why he did what he did, uh, but we do know that there are individuals dead in a building that had a couple of hundred people in it. And so our thoughts and our prayers do go out to the families of those individuals. We are living in difficult times today, and it is a sobering time in that. Today, what we're going to do is talk about a topic that hopefully is interesting to you, and I, I assume it will be, but it's also a sobering topic as we look around the world and we see things happening. As we do look around the world today, we see devastating weather events occurring. We see incredibly destructive hurricanes and super typhoons. We see what appear to be increasing earthquake activity and subsequent tsunamis. Forest fires are scorching huge swaths of forest and dwellings as well. We see major droughts in some areas and relentless flooding in other areas. Thousands are dying from these events. Hundreds of millions are starving. Trillions of dollars in damage is occurring all around the globe, thanks in large part to the weather. Are weather events really getting worse? Will weather events get worse in the future? What can we know and what kind of insights does the Bible provide us with? To help answer these questions, we have two guests on TW Now today, and I'd like to welcome both of them. First, we have Mr. Wally Smith. Mr. Smith is a minister. He's a Tomorrow's World presenter. Uh, he's a writer for Tomorrow's World magazine, and he has particular interest in the sciences. So welcome, Mr. Smith. Good to have you here. Thank you very much. Good to have you back here. Thanks. And I'd also like to welcome Mr. John Meekin, who's joining us from England via Skype. Mr. Meekin's a minister. He's a Tomorrow's World writer. He's been a journalist for many years. And he's a longtime student of the weather. And I think we'll have some very interesting insights to bring to us. So, Mr. Meekin, welcome. Great to have you here with us. <clears throat> Wanted to let you know if you have any questions, please do feel free to send them our way during the program today. And hopefully we'll be able to get to them. Gentlemen, let's get started. And actually, Mr. Meekin, I'd like to ask you first. Uh, can you just define weather for us so that we're all on the same page to begin with? OK, thank you. Um, well, they say that weather is what happens in the here and the now. And it might be also tomorrow, just a few days ahead, we would talk about that as the weather. What's the weather forecast for today and for tomorrow and for next uh, day and so on. Whereas climate is, has been described as average uh, weather and generally is a longer term view of what future weather is going to be like and uh, we predict it. And uh, I think just a few things I think I'd like to um, point out to highlight. Uh, you know, when you step out um, and, and you look at the weather, it's either going to be hot or cold or warm or wet or dry uh, or windy or not. That's the weather. Uh, you'll know whether which of the four seasons you are. If it's winter, it's going to be colder. If it's summer, it's going to be hotter, et cetera, et cetera. So in and amongst... Um, all the weather, we can see that there's cyclical things, there's the, the four seasons, 
And a few words I'd like to leave you with. Weather is dynamic. In other words, it's always changing. It, it rarely stays still. It's always changing. Number two, it's chaotic. In other words, it's unlikely to be particularly repeated, obviously, if you're under a high pressure and you get several days of the same. But in terms of overall, the weather is naturally dynamic and naturally chaotic. And a lot of it is cyclical and uh, therefore can be at least estimated in the future. And I think the important thing to say is that the weather is naturally extreme. It doesn't need God's intervention or you know, a particular causation. It is naturally extreme. Somewhere around the world at any one time, extreme weather is most likely to be taking place. Okay. Thank you. That's actually really helpful. Speaking of extreme weather, when we look around the globe today, what are we seeing? Because certainly the media is picking up on things. Uh, many of us, if we're not just totally focused in our own little worlds, are recognizing that there's some major events happening and that continue to happen around the world. What, what are we noticing? Well, I would point to Hurricane Florence. You know, there's, there's different events we could pick up. I'm, I'm an American. I tend to think of the events that have happened in the United States. And uh, we watched Hurricane Florence very intently in terms of where it was going. If I can speak more broadly, you say, what are we seeing in the weather? We're, one hand, we're seeing suffering. We're seeing people going through a great amount of difficulties. We are to a great extent at the mercy of our weather. I can live in a home, I have a roof and I have walls that protects me from a great deal of extreme weather events, but it can always cross that line where there's so little that we can do. And so what we're also seeing in terms of the weather is actually the way weather is reported. You look at the weather channel, you have uh, media entities that are devoted to a 24 seven essentially reporting cycle. And what are they going to report? Well, if you have particularly mild weather in Kansas for a stretch of a good six weeks, that's not going to be their top story. It never will be. And so we do see more extreme weather in the sense that we see more extreme weather. To be able to extrapolate that to some kind of trend is something we can talk about perhaps later. Mm -hmm. But are we seeing more? Well, I think we certainly are. I'm seeing weather systems. Uh, we had a number of typhoons this season. Mm -hmm that I don't know that I would have seen otherwise. We're exposed to suffering in places with uh, you know, recent tsunamis and such. But would I have actually had the opportunity to see that, say, 50 years ago or 100 years ago? It doesn't mean it wouldn't have taken place, mm. but I wouldn't have actually seen it. So I think we are seeing extremes, but I think within that question, uh, there's the seed of something important. The fact that mm. we're seeing these things in the past, we wouldn't necessarily have. Interesting. Mr. Macon, you have anything to add to that, sir? Well. Another comment. Um, I'm just a little bit older than some of you, <laughs> uh, which means I've been around a little bit longer. But I haven't been around as long as the data. And what I mean by that is, yeah, I, I'm with you all the way. Things seem to be extreme. They're well reported. Uh, they dominate our news headlines. But it's therefore, however, not right to say, well, it's, I don't remember it being like this ever in my lifetime. But that's the point. Uh, outside of your lifetime, they could easily have been the same or worse. Uh, and therefore, to come to a, a reasoned judgment on that, one must take all the facts and put them together. Now, by one standard, when you do that, the number of volcanoes, not volcanoes, the number of tornadoes is down. The number of uh, Category 5 
Hurricane striking America is down. There are lots of things that are down. But then don't forget that any measure of these ones will have natural variability. A graph will show a bar either side within which is considered to be normal. Um, and then I think you have to then take a, a closer look at some of the factors um, impacting weather. Now, there's lots of them. We don't have the time to discover all that. I'll choose one, which is the sun. Now, what happens on the sun in terms of its cycles is no great surprise if I tell you that there's strong evidence to suggest that that correlates closely with Earth temperatures. So where we are in a particular cycle of the sun may well dictate more of something, more, more cold or more warm or more active or whatever. And I think that that's true. So there are natural variabilities in all sorts of ways. The humans have an input to it, but probably not very much. And um, uh, I do also take into account that um, these extremes of weather can strike almost anywhere. That's, that's the issue. So they're popping up all over the place, southern hemisphere, northern hemisphere. No one's really excluded. And they're of every variety. And oftentimes, actually, we find out about them when they affect our agriculture. I think that's a hugely important point. Yes, if some people get di uh, who die and washed away, that's terrible. But, you know, what is it doing to our weather? Sorry, our weather. What is our weather doing in terms of growing seasons and the food that we depend on? And this year has been quite a record year for the loss of various agricultural crops because the weather is just not happening as expected. And could I add one more point, uh, which relates to the sun. In a cooling earth, there are those who say that the, the jet streams, which normally are polar and go strongly in a circle, become weaker and they flap around. They become meridional. That's characteristic of a weaker sun and a weaker output cycle. And so where before you wouldn't have, if it's a flap, you know, uh, channeling warmer air to the north or a flap channeling colder air to the south, you've got to be very careful in the headline you choose. Because you might say, for example, Norway is, 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 is heating because it's so hot. It must be X. Well, meanwhile, 250 miles to the east, um, Moscow might be experiencing exactly the opposite, you see. So you, you've got to look very carefully at the data uh, and, and, and really have the wisdom to interpret it correctly. May I add something to what he said? Sure. I appreciate uh, Mr. Meekin's comments. In addition, in terms of the way we report it, what we're also seeing, we are seeing an increase in terms of the amount of damage that's done, but how do you measure damage? We often measure damage in saying, well, this is a billion dollar storm, or this is, uh, it's gonna take this much, and, and we see reports by insurance companies that will talk about just how much is how much it's going to cost to rebuild this city or this town but does that necessarily mean that it's a more extreme event that's been experienced before we live in a world in which it's easier to cost a lot more damage because there's a lot more uh, expense invested in so many things and certain technology we have uh, so we've we've poured so much money into some of our cities the cities themselves have grown that we do it's it's a part of all the sciences, but in particular, this kind of public reporting, you have to keep in mind, what are we actually measuring in this report? If we're measuring dollars of damage, that doesn't necessarily make something a more extreme physical event, though it certainly could be. It doesn't mean it's not, but you can't actually leap from that particular data to, to conclude that. Mm. 
So case in point, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, I think Tokyo has about 38 million people in the, for the city's population. And it didn't have that 100 years ago. So a, a uh, major super typhoon that hits Tokyo 100 years ago when there are fewer people, when there's less expensive construction, the, the storm results are not going to have the catastrophic impact, perhaps, in some ways, that they might have if the storm hits Tokyo with 38 million people? Right. I would say that, say you took a storm of the past and then transported it into the future to hit the same area, you would find, perhaps, at least in some cases, that it's doing a great deal more monetary damage. Mm. But that doesn't, by itself, it doesn't mean it's a weaker storm, doesn't mean it's mm -hmm. the same level storm. But it also doesn't mean it's necessarily stronger. And we just okay. have to be careful about how we measure these things. And it may take more lives, too? And definitely may take more lives. Okay. As I understand it, the uh, storm which has caused the greatest immigration within the United States uh, is Katrina. Mm -hmm. You think of how many people were evacuated from that central uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, and reputedly about a million people uh, relocated away from that area just as a result of Katrina alone. So they can have enormous damage. And this Michael that just uh, impacted um, the panhandle of Florida, I mean, one of the headlines that sticks out uh, in my mind is the U.S. Air Force base that was pretty well destroyed. And had they not removed some of their, you know, really exciting fighters uh, into a safe place, uh, some of those may have been destroyed and some may have been destroyed anyway. We'll probably never know. But a storm like that had the capacity to take out a whole American Air Force base. Wow. Mm. Yes, interesting, sobering when we think about it. So we've, we've talked a bit about sort of what's going on on, on the weather scene. Um, we need to be careful in drawing conclusions because there's all kinds of factors. Any other sort of general observations you have? Because we're seeing weather events happen. Um, we're seeing things play out. We're seeing devastation occur. Uh, we're, we're hearing different things through the media and through different sources. Uh, but there is a source, too, that tells us what we're, we should be expecting in the future related to weather, which is actually the Bible. And I want to get to that. But before we do, I do want to ask you, do you have any other general observations or comments, things you want to give to the audience before we move to the scripture? Well, I might add, building on what Mr. Meekin said, that weather is naturally chaotic. It, I think it was James Glick, I may be getting his name wrong, wrote the book Chaos a long time ago. Uh, I don't feel like it was a long time ago because it makes me feel like I'm older, but uh, it, it actually was quite some time ago. And the whole principle of mathematical chaos was rooted in the fact that there actually are some, there are some things that are inherently unpredictable. And weather is one of those things. That's actually how the principle was sort of discovered by some was they were modeling global weather uh, systems. And they found they had accidentally lost a bunch of their data from the models. Mm -hmm. So they thought, well, let's just back up to the last point where we had data and let's refeed that into the system and just get things going again. And they expected it to get back to where it was, where they had, where they had just ended and found that they typed in all the numbers from the paper and found radically different weather after a certain amount of time. And they said, well, how could that be? Well, because the tiny differences, you know, when you type something into a calculator, there's little digits you can't see because there's not room on the calculator, that those tiny differences that even couldn't be seen in the paper, given enough time, made huge differences, often called the butterfly effect, the idea that a butterfly flapping its wings 
one day can cause extreme weather or something like that. And so I guess as a small point, I would encourage the people watching today, don't take it for granted that just because you haven't had a, a once in 100 year flood in your area, that you won't eventually face something like that because they do happen once every 100 years. And so just be right by your families and, and prepare and just be, just be wise. Don't, don't worry about trends or this or that. Just look at my family and realize what do I need to do to make sure we're ready should something happen. Um, I just think that the weather is so gloriously complicated uh, with so many different forcing factors, so many different feedback factors. Many are still not well understood. It wasn't until relatively recently that the sun even made it into computer models. Hmm. And many climate computer models overestimate the amount of, of, of heat that there is. And there's a lot of alarmism around. Um, yes, um, uh, the weather is always changing. And what impresses me about some of the graphs I use, uh, or I have access to, that we all have access to, is just how small these changes are. And if it wasn't for modern instrumentation uh, via satellites and the ability to measure, you would not be able uh, to even notice any difference. Mm. The average, I mean, the average person will experience greater temperature change between daytime and nighttime, oftentimes of several degrees, uh, than remotely a, a lot of you know what people talk about in today's world. Very complicated system. I think it's wonderful the progress we're making, but we've got a long way to go before we remotely be able to predict um, further out and certainly not years ahead using conventional methods. Mr. Meekin, I have a, a, another quick question for you, actually a clarifying point. Um, to, to try and illustrate, you, you mentioned the sun and its impact, maybe yes. helping illustrate why the sun would even have an impact. You and I were chatting last week about yep. sort of the size of the sun in relation to the size of the earth. And given that it's yes. really not that far away in some ways, so maybe you could just bring that point out. Yes, well, um, dear viewer, um, how many earths do you think would fit into the volume of the sun? Put your hand up now and we'll take a look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was rather shattered when I found it out. 1.1 million earths would fit into the volume of the sun so when you see uh footage of uh, is it the soho satellite some of these satellites are up there that are observing the sun and you see the whole the, the plate of, of the sun and there's a huge coronal hole across it well know that that is just would take up thousands upon thousands upon thousands of the earths and so what that means is that potentially the what we get from the sun is of huge importance. Um, and, and, and there's an interesting point. You'd think by saying the sun impacts our climate, we mean the infrared, because it's the infrared that gives us heat. Therefore, more infrared would make us hotter and less would make us cooler. But that doesn't change very much, actually. Likewise, light. Well, light is white, but it's made up of all the various colors. That doesn't vary a lot either. But in addition to that, the, uh, the sun is sending us X-rays. It's sending us ultraviolet. It's sending us gamma rays. Uh, it sends us solar flares. And it's sending us the nuclei of all the elements on the, uh, on the sun. And it's, it's, it has an amazing impact. And there does seem to be an amazing correlation 
between the magnetic activity of the sun and world temperatures. Now, that's a, a young science. Perhaps it's denied, but there's a lot of reality to it. And actually, I think a lot of surprises are coming. Okay, thank you. And that, I think the point that um, the, the, the weather systems and the climate is, is so complicated is, is a really good takeaway and something to keep in mind. Yet, for those of us who are believers in the Bible and believers in God, we understand that there is a being that uh, not only understands this, this level of complication, but he created it. And he even tells us about it. What, what does the Bible have to tell us about the weather, sort of in general, but what does the Bible even more importantly have to tell us about the weather of the future? Because God is really the ideal and, and perfect forecaster in that right. way, if you will. Right. Well, the overall message of the Bible is that God reigns supreme. It's one of my, uh, my colleagues, our colleague, Mr. Richard Ames, uh, is uh, one of his, I want to say mantra, that would be the wrong thing to say, but it's a, some, a point that he returns to, God reigns supreme. And so when it comes to the weather, he really is fundamentally in charge of that. Uh, it doesn't mean you should blame him if you didn't get enough rain to cause your petunias to grow the way you want. He is taking care of the whole world, but he, he actually does have the ability to intervene. And Bible prophecy does indicate that he is going to intervene. I'd actually would regret if some of our viewers were to listen to us uh, not speak in great dire terms concerning the weather these days and think, oh, they must not believe in Bible prophecy or somehow think that, that God is, is doing anything on the earth. They're quite the opposite. We do believe that he is. If you look at Revelation chapter 6, you look at the ride of the four horsemen. Uh, we see, for instance, a famine is coming. Uh, we see details in Bible prophecy where God explicitly indicates that he plans to use weather conditions to chastise them, those who need chastising. Luke 21 talks about how we will see the sea and waves roaring. Uh, God absolutely wields the weather as a tool, and not simply that he can, he will do so. Bible prophecy is very clear about that. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to compliment that and say uh, the dominant narrative today about the weather, which dominates all the world's media, and would squeeze out any other discussion, is that man is responsible for the weather. Now, I personally disagree with that on scientific grounds, but I fundamentally disagree with it on theological grounds for the exact same reason that Wally has mentioned. Uh, the Bible says that God controls the weather. When he says that, you know, in the coming age to come, if the nations don't come up to worship God in Jerusalem, God will withhold rain, you mean God has the capacity to hold the rain? Yes. And uh, in the discussion uh, in, in various parts of the scriptures, but I'm thinking of Deuteronomy, for the nation of Israel, he said, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you don't uh, obey me, then uh, a course of action will follow. And he talks there about drought uh, and famine, and uh, you will not be blessed. So God has, God is supreme. This is the message. God is supreme. He's infinitely more powerful than all human beings put together. And when he speaks, he speaks, and he speaks with authority. And uh, can I make a comment? I was going to make a comment about um, Revelation chapter 6. Yes, or we can come to that. Okay. Yes. Well, Revelation 6 is a discussion of the well-known and often discussed four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, 
the things it talks about there, which are wars, famine, pestilences, people dying, uh, people with a desire to conquer others. Uh, we've had that for most of all of history. But that's not the focus of the Apostle John in Revelation, because he's projected forward to the time of the so-called day of the Lord, which seems like it kicks off just prior to that by these four horsemen who go on the march. Now, the really scary thing about that is that a uh, result of those four influences all working together and how often do they, they do work together is that a quarter of humanity uh, will die. Now, the question is, is that unreasonable? Is that is that cooking? You know, can we believe that? Is that believable? And all I want to say at this stage is that if you look back in history at the so-called Maunder minimum, when the sun was very quiet and when the earth was very cold for about mm, sort of 70, 80 years or so, um, we had this Maunder minimum, which was a, a very difficult time in the 17th century, uh, a period of time uh, affected quite strongly by climate change, lots of wars, lots of extreme weather, lots of um, uh, failed crops, famine, diseases. And the point is, and I, I've got the book in front of me, which describes the Maunder minimum. It's called Global Crisis. Just a short book. You can read it just before you go to bed. <laughs> he, he, I think he's the authority on it. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if clergymen at that time thought the day of judgment had arrived. And there are quotes in there, and I, I don't really have the time to, to, to quote them, which say uh, between a quarter and a third of humanity, now that's mainly European humanity, died. There was a massive population fall off due to a, a confluence of all these factors working together, wars, famines, pestilences, and uh, accompanied by climate change. And uh, there's no question that what... Revelation says carries God's authority and is imminently possible because it has happened before. That's that's an interesting observation, a historical observation. Right. It, it is it, sometimes these numbers. I think in Revelation six, like we're talking about, if you're not careful, you can read right past those verses. But we know uh, the ride of the horsemen right before the, the tribulation and the beginning of the day of the Lord and the, the seven trumpets. A quarter of humanity. Uh, if you actually sit down and write out the numbers and you see the kinds of numbers he's talking about, it does seem hard to believe. But as he was indicating, you know, we have such events in history in which large populations of people die. What I think is fascinating about what's prophesied to come is it will be eventually increasingly difficult to assign those deaths and the things to be experienced to simply natural causes. The variability that we currently experience can make that, you know, difficult. You, you, when you are experiencing a tornado, it might seem like a divine kind of curse or intervention right there at the moment, but God will make it clear at a time. All these things are always, I don't care if I get a good, strong thunderstorm. We had a, a bolt of lightning strike our house just across the street while my son was on the porch looking at it. I was taking a nap on the couch, but I woke up like that. And it may not have been the end of the world, but I did an extra prayer really fast because it was a, it moved me, you know, it stirred me. All of these events, whether they're just the natural cycle of things or the beginning of, say, the, the, the end of things, they're invitations to remind ourselves that God really is in charge and to get our lives right because there is a time coming at the end of things when no one will be able to doubt that he's in charge, when really judgment is, is speeding up. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a fascinating subject because uh, it's said of the uh, of an Englishman, you know, we in, in the United Kingdom get more weather than everybody else. You realize that, <laughs> don't you? Because we're just a little small country, you know, sitting off Europe and subject to what comes across the Atlantic. So the English are always talking about the weather. What's the weather like today? It's a bit wet today. It's a bit dry today. Um, <laughs> so I would say... Um, this weather you get is the weather you've got. Hmm. So little Ditty says, whether the weather is hot or whether the weather is cold, we must weather the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. But learn the lessons. And is God trying to tell us something about our way of life, how we're believing, how we're behaving? Are we in harmony with God or are we kicking God into touch and out of the picture? That's a very sobering lesson that we should think because he does control the weather. Hmm. Any, any final thoughts from you, Mr. Smith? Thank you for asking. I just briefly, this may sound odd, but I'm reminded of Adam and Eve. To me, one of the great disasters that happened in the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve essentially telling God, uh, you know what, instead of your will being done, our will will be done. And God who, and Jesus Christ, the creator, you know, God who's, uh, word upholds all things, essentially said, well, you know what, then you're going to have, instead of just beautiful crops, there's going to be weeds, there's going to be thorns. If you don't need me to manage the world on your behalf, then you'll simply be left to yourselves. And so we have experienced since that time, whether that we don't control and whether that God kind of steps aside and allows to happen. I would ask all of us, as we've been mentioning here just in the last few moments, to consider these opportunities as times to reflect. The storm that may be upon your head may not be sent by God to specifically test you, and yet He is the one who controls these things. Use them as opportunities to stir you and your family to remind yourselves that there is a God, that we don't control the weather to the extent that truly He can, and to seek Him at this time while He still can be sought. Gentlemen, thank you for being part of the program today. Thank you for your thoughts. Thanks for your insights. Thank you for bringing some of the really fascinating history uh, to this conversation today. You know, as we look around the globe, we see what appears to be, we've talked about this, increasingly powerful storms bringing devastation to people and cities. The monetary costs that these storms bring our way make it seem like things are getting more difficult and they're happening on a greater scale. <clears throat> What's interesting, though, is that as we look through all of this and we keep the Bible in mind, we actually begin to realize God is in control, that God has a plan. And we have climate scientists and we have all kinds of scientists who are trying to do their best to try and understand. But as we've talked about today, they don't know all the intricacies yet. The reality is that God is the one that controls the weather. So what we'd like to do is offer you this booklet, Who Controls the Weather? If you'd like, visit us on our website at tomorrowsworld.org and check out the book. This is currently out of print, but it is available online. We are in the process of revising it. So you might find it interesting, and really the perspective that is shared is interesting. <clears throat> you know, we don't have to fear the weather. In fact, we can know more details about it in the events of the future if we do go to the Bible. So keep that in mind. At this point in time, thank you again for joining us here on TW Now, and we hope to see you again next week.